A good morning. morning. Welcome to Zion on this 20th Sunday after Pentecost. A few things to share with you this morning. Uh, First, uh, that Becky Plogger's funeral will be here tomorrow morning at 11. Uh, Visitation will be at Child's on the east side from 2 to 4 today and from 6 to 8. And then also an hour before the service tomorrow. Also, I have a few prayer requests for you this morning. Uh, first, pray for healing for Tony Cochran, who is at Lima Memorial uh, this morning. Also, pray for Donna Mackey, who's recovering from surgery, still at Lima Memorial today. Um, also, pray for Carolyn Waltz, who was in the hospital this week and is hoping to be released today. So, keep all of them in your prayers and pray for healing. For all of them. Also a reminder that next Sunday is Harvest Home. You are absolutely invited. Come celebrate God's blessings to us next Sunday. Let us give thanks to him. Our service will be followed by with a meal. Uh, and just a reminder, you don't have to bring anything to the meal. Just come, bring yourself. There will be plenty of food. So if you're unable to bring something, that's okay. Come eat with us, celebrate with us, have a good time with us. At this time, are there other announcements, other concerns to bring before the congregation? Yeah, Mary. As you probably know, today is Ministry Appreciation Day, not only here at Zion, but all across the United States. So we decided to have something special to show our appreciation for all that Vicar Ryan has done and is doing for us. Um, there's a basket on the table downstairs that's filling up nice If you write him a personal note and drop it in the basket, there are blank cards out there that you can use. So the worship committee purchased something here for the pastor. And it just, we don't have the right mood though. Okay. I think we need some music. Uh-oh to set the mood. (laughs) Can you guess? (laughs) I have an idea. You have an idea? All right. Okay, thanks, Jim. (laughs) Okay, this card says, with appreciation, your ministry and your life are making a wonderful difference. Ryan, thanking God for you as you serve with a willing heart, a joyful spirit, and continued faithfulness. Wishing you all the best, the Zion Lutheran Worship Committee, and I think we speak for council and the congregation. So... Here is your gift. You have to open it now. Okay. You have to. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) And there's another thing. There's another thing in the bottom. This will go right away into the study. It's gonna. Okay. Fit in nicely. All right.
And his Brutus, yeah. This is not an idol, by the way. This is <laughs> for fun. But thank you all very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you all. Um, you know, I appreciate you all so much. We are so blessed to be here in Lafayette, so blessed to be a Zion, and sincerely mean that I receive more from all of you than I could ever give to this community. Um, we're certainly here because God has placed us here, and our hearts are joyful, and we're happy to be here, and so thankful to be with all of you. So thank you again. All right, I will invite you to take a few moments now as we prepare our hearts for worship. Congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, 
Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Almighty and ever-living God, increase in us your gift of faith, that forsaking what lies behind and reaching out to what lies ahead, we may follow the way of your commandments and receive the crown of everlasting joy. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Amos. Seek the Lord and live, or he will break out against the house of Joseph like fire, and it will devour Bethel with no one to quench it. Ah, you that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground. They hate the one who reproves in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and take, them, take from them levies of grain, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you, have, but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions, and how great are your sins, you who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe, and push aside the needy in the gate. Therefore the prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live, and so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. Just as you have said, hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> um, the psalm today is Psalm 90, which we will read responsibly. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. 
satisfy us by your steadfast love in the morning, so shall we rejoice and be glad all our days. Show your servants your works and your splendor to their children. May the graciousness of the Lord our God be upon us. Prosper the work of our hands. Prosper our The second reading is from Hebrews. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall, you shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked. He went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated and children I invite you 
forward. Alright, so what's this? A dollar bill, of course, right? So, who can tell me first, what does it say on the back about God? Do you have any ideas? Whoever can t I'll give this dollar to who can tell me. What's it say about God on the back of this dollar bill? All right, Silas said it, so. And God we trust, right? That's kind of a funny thing to put on our money, I think, right? Because Jesus doesn't really have very much good to say about money in our gospel reading this morning, right? In fact, Jesus says that it will be harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I brought a needle with me just so you all can see, right? Just how small the eye of a needle is. The eye is a little hole at the top. Can you see it? Yeah, probably barely can see it. Have you ever seen a camel at the zoo or on TV? Or at least you can picture a camel, right? Camel's pretty big if you've ever seen one. Pretty high, you have to climb up on them. Is a camel gonna fit through here? No, absolutely not, right? A little thread might fit through there, but that's about it. So Jesus is saying, gosh, it's really hard if you're rich to follow him. Why is that? Right? And it's not so much that Jesus doesn't want rich people to follow him or he thinks rich people are doomed. Right? But he's making a statement about where our hearts lie. Right, because sometimes we can be so concerned with our stuff, right, with our money, with getting more and more and more, that we don't rely on God, that we don't trust in God. Right, and so Jesus is saying the temptation is if we seek money, if money is the reason we live, if it's all about money, it's going to be hard to follow him. Right, so we always have to check our hearts and notice, what's my heart about? Is my heart about following Jesus, or is my heart about following money? Is my heart about getting more and more and more stuff? So Jesus tells us, watch out, right? Watch our heart. Make sure we're following him and not just chasing more and more money, right? So Silas, I'm going to need that dollar back. Just kidding. Even. Right. Now let's pray. Lord, help our hearts to follow you and not to follow the things of this world. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, St. Augustine begins his book, Confessions, with the sentence of prayer. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Well, that's an important start to discussing our gospel this morning. The gospel lesson is about money. But the secret is it's really not about money. Right? Our gospel lesson this morning is really about the heart. Right? Because our hearts will seek rest. They'll seek contentment. They'll seek joy in all kinds of things in this world. But our hearts will not truly be content. They will not truly be at rest until they rest in the Lord who created them. The rich man in our gospel is a picture of a man 
whose heart is resting in something that is not the Lord. He is someone from the outside who has it all right. He's the image of the person who sits in a church pew every week, knows all the right answers, has his life together, but is still missing something. Is still not quite at rest. He does not want to receive the gift of rest that Jesus has for him. He does not want to receive Jesus himself. And so we begin at verse 17, which shows us the mindset of this rich man. He approaches Jesus, and he first calls him good teacher. And Jesus pushes back at the man's use of good. But the man is approaching Jesus as a teacher who can lay down rules for him. He wants Jesus to give him the right aphorism. He wants Jesus just to give him that easy secret. He imagines that Jesus is a guru who can show him just how to be more successful, how to be more religious. Now contrast this approach with those in the gospel who have come to Jesus for healing. They come to Jesus and they crowd around him. They won't be stopped and they beg Jesus for life. They come to Jesus not for a secret strategy on how to have it all. They come to Jesus because they know he has life. They know that Jesus is more than a good teacher. They know that he is the Christ, that he is the Savior. And so these people who were crowding around Jesus, clinging to him, they weren't just looking for rules. They weren't looking for a teacher. They weren't looking for an easy answer. They were looking for life. And so the man then asked Jesus, who he sees as a teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So as Lutherans, red flags ought to be waving at us. Sirens ought to be going off loudly. Right? What must I do to receive eternal life? We, of course, do nothing to receive eternal life. It's a gift. It's given to us through our trust, through our faith. You know, for example, the parable of the prodigal son in the Gospel of Luke. Right? The son asks his father for an early share of his inheritance and then goes and squanders all that money away in some faraway land. But then he returns to his father's house, and what does he do? He begs for mercy, and that's it. He seeks the love of his father, and the father is overjoyed to receive him. The father doesn't tell him to get to work. He doesn't tell him to repay him. He receives his son freely in his own mercy. And in Mark 10, just a few verses before this, Jesus tells his disciples, Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. How do little children receive their parents' love? Freely. Your children don't do anything to receive your love. They don't earn your affection. You generously and freely love your children because of who they are. And they freely receive it. There's nothing for them to do but to be loved by you. Well, in the same way, the kingdom of God that Jesus is offering is a gift. And so the rich man comes to Jesus like he is meeting with an estate planning attorney. Right? He asks Jesus something like, how do I get my affairs in order so that I will get eternal life? And he's missing the point. Eternal life is received only as a gift. It's what God generously gives to those who are seeking him. Jesus knows the rich man is attached to his own success and his own efforts, his own status in this world. So Jesus right away identifies what's really important to this man's heart. 
Right? The rich man won't receive Jesus as a gift because it's money that his heart is really clinging to. Money is his real God. He can't give it up because that's the most important thing in the world to him. He may pay lip service to wanting eternal life, but he wants money. Luther writes that whatever our hearts cling to, that is our real God. And so we see that the rich man's heart was clinging to his wealth. For many, in that day and time, and even in our day, being rich, being wealthy, being prosperous, is seen as a sign of God's blessing. And so perhaps this man thought the fact that he was rich was evidence that God loved him. That's a common misunderstanding of God. In fact, if you turn on your TV to TBN or some other Christian stations, find a prosperity preacher, and you'll hear something just like that. They'll say God's promise of favor to you is financial. They'll say if you have enough faith, God will give you the money that you want. Right? That money comes to equal God's blessing. But maybe more simply in our gospel, the rich man just enjoys the comfort and security of his money. Maybe he sees the money, sees all that he has accumulated, all that he's worked for. He sees that and he knows he's been successful. He sees his money as the access to power in this world. He knows that as long as he has money, he'll always have respect. Everyone will listen to him. Everyone will pay attention to him and give him voice because he's rich. In any case, for whatever reason, the rich man's holding on to that money. He's doing it because his heart is clinging to it. It has become his God. So verse 22 says, When the rich man heard that Jesus told him to give away his possessions to the poor, he was shocked, and he went away grieving. In front of that man stood the Savior of the world. He was given the opportunity to follow and cling to Christ, to God's Son. He was given out of Jesus' mouth the very promise of treasures in heaven. But he was shocked that Jesus had asked him to give his money to the poor. The man did not see the opportunity Jesus put before him. He only saw that he was losing the most important thing in his life, his money. And so Jesus' words to the man are indeed hard. But to the person who is desperate for life with the Savior, Jesus' words are actually good news. He was given the opportunity to find new life in Christ. To no longer be tied to the things of this world. To no longer be tied to sin, to death, to all of his failures. But the rich man in that moment, he could have changed the trajectory of his eternal existence. He could have redefined himself as a disciple of Jesus. Jesus was offering him true life, true freedom. Because if your treasure is in heaven, then you are truly free. If your treasure is in heaven, your job, your employer, your supervisor, they cannot define you. They cannot own you. The things of this world and the people of this world may be able to annoy you, but they're powerless to control you. The only leverage they have over your life is money. But when your treasure is in heaven, that leverage means very little. It means that you're not enslaved to the balance of your bank account. You're not enslaved to your 401ks, your IRAs, your investment funds, and so on. The stock market may go down. Cost of living may go up. Inflation may devalue the dollar. And all these sorts of things that economists warn us about. 
But these things can truly not rob you of the security you have as a child of God. Even for students, for kids here, it means you're free from being defined by grades, awards, recognition from teachers and coaches. All those things are fine, but you don't have to live for them. They don't have to define you. They're not your final identity. You're free to take criticism from people in this world and to consider it helpful or just ignore it altogether. Right? Because your standard, the one you live for, is Jesus Christ. Because your treasure is in heaven. The story of St. Lawrence gives an illustration of what it means to be free of the things of this world. So in the year 258, the Roman Emperor Valerian sent a letter to the Roman Senate. He said that all officials in the Christian church should be executed, and all the high-ranking officials in Rome who are also Christian should be stripped of their titles and their property. The Bishop of Rome, knowing that his martyrdom was certain, put a young man, a young deacon named Lawrence, in charge of the treasury of the church. So once the bishop was executed, the emperor's officials demanded that Lawrence gather all the church's treasures and then turn them over to the Roman authorities to be put into service of the Roman pagan temples. So Lawrence, acting quickly, gathered together the mass of the poor people who were receiving alms from the church, and then he paraded them to the official Roman court. And when the emperor's officials demanded to know why these poor people were making such a racket outside the court, Lawrence proclaimed, I have delivered what you ask. These are the treasures of the church. And Lawrence himself was then martyred. But there was no question then for Christians, for Lawrence, where was their true treasure? It wasn't in the decaying things of this world. Rather, it was in following Christ who saved them. Because when your treasure is in heaven, you're free to live out your vocations. You're free to follow Christ courageously, without fear. When your heart learns to rest in Jesus, when it learns not to rest in the things that will pass away in this life, you're free to tell the truth in love because you're assured that you possess something much greater than this world could ever take away from you. You're free to take risks, you're free to live the adventure of faith. You're free to take up your cross and follow Jesus. When you walk into this church, when you see that baptismal font right there, take notice of that, because that's your treasure. That's where you were buried and raised anew with Jesus. That's where you were united with God. When you come to Holy Communion, remember that you're receiving your true treasure. Right? It's not a meager paycheck like you get in this world but you're receiving Jesus and you're being formed in his image and confirmed in his love. It's only there that your heart will find rest. If you try to find your identity, your security and money, or anything else in this world, you will continue to be restless. I'd encourage you then to sit quietly sometime, no distractions, and ask, where is my heart restless? Truly ask yourself that question. Because if your heart is restless, what things is it trying to cling to other than Jesus? Right? All of us are guilty of this. All of us have hearts that are idol factories. All of us have hearts that will try to put just about anything before God. Whether that's money, success, family, pleasure, whatever it is. We have hearts that want to make gods out of the things of this world.
And so sometimes, just quietly sit, put your phone away, turn off your TV, turn off music, turn off your sounds, and ask, what is it that my heart is reaching for? Because when you sit quietly and you examine that question, you will find that the answer will bring you to God. You'll find that your heart is restless for something good. God is good. You'll find that your heart is aching for love. God is love. You'll find that your heart wants dignity and worth. Well, the God who defines worth and dignity desires to make you his own child. Once you discern what you want, once you know what your heart is clinging for, come to Christ. Come to his table. Receive his grace. Receive your treasure in heaven. Follow him who loves you and who wants to freely give you eternal life. Amen. Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, God of hosts, reveal our sin to us through your word. Do not let us dare to approach you in our own righteousness, but rather to come before you humbly in repentance that we may inherit eternal life by your grace in Christ alone. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God of hosts, keep us from hating those whom you send to reprove us with your law, and from hating those who speak your truth to us, that we might repent and live in you. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God of hosts, sanctify us with your spirit, that we may hate evil and never pursue it, but instead love good and seek it always. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God of hosts, let your blessing rest upon this time of harvest. Take under your special protection those who work in the fields and those who in your providence work to feed the people of this world. Provide suitable weather and safe conditions for this season. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God of hosts, let your favor be upon Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, and all who govern us. Establish the good works of their hands upon us that we might live in peace. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God of hosts, have mercy on Tony, Kara, Nancy, Maddox, Tom, Troy, Donald, Donna, Ray, Nancy, Dwight, John, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, and Carolyn. And all your servants afflicted, my body or soul. Satisfy them with your steadfast love in Christ and grant health and healing in, accord with, in accordance with your will. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God of hosts, we give thanks for Rebecca and all your saints whose confidence in Christ you kept firm unto the end. Graciously keep us firm in our faith that in the end we may enter with them into your eternal rest. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you to take a few moments and to greet one another with signs of peace. And now we will continue our worship with the giving of our offering.
us pray. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Serve the Lord.